0: Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. How many of you are familiar enough with me to know that I'm a car guy? You know that? (laughs) Bigger these days. Yeah, I got got to roll into the plaza the other night for the first time where rolling down the street and Misty goes wow as everybody's staring at us and she was like wow we've become those people who we used to stare at when they were driving a cool car down the plaza and I was like well that's a neat change you know that's that's kind of fun you know this uh, recently I was and Misty and I were in Redding California at a Bethel Leaders Advance which was just amazing it's just amazing and one night late we're out in the parking lot, um, we're leaving the event. Of course, you know, it's nighttime, where it feels like at nighttime, like, I don't know exactly what it is, but it just, it kind of feels like you can hear more. Like, you can scream during the day, and it doesn't feel like it echoes, but at night it echoes. Does that make sense? Like, you just, like, there's, it just, like, it heightens your awareness, or something happens there. You know, some uh, physicist or scientist will tell me after the service, I'm sure, what what the phenomena there is. You know, and, and so we're talking, we're walking, and I hear this... So what, what you need to know about me is I, I'm not just a car guy. I'm a, i am mean I, I like I, I like anything with an engine. Like first of all, let's just get that straight. It could be a boat, you know. I it, you could, you put a 800 horsepower motor on a moped. I'm gonna like the moped. I get done. You know what I mean? I'm just so. But I, but specifically, I'm a Corvette guy. You know. I mean specifically, my dad put it in my blood when I was still a toddler. You know, and my brother as well. You know, and it's just it's just it's in there. And so I'm such a nerd that I can tell you, this is like, this is one, uh, the, Jesus and corvettes the only place I nerd out, right? Every, other than that, I'm totally cool. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> you know, I can tell you the distinctions between the years and the generations and all the stuff, right? Everybody's got their nerdy spot. For most of you, I'm seeing the jerseys, it's football. I don't have a clue who's on those teams, you know? But I know what kind of Corvette Chris Vallotton drives. Yeah. See the difference? You know, and I hear this, and I was like, that's a Corvette. So I, I can t- I don't, I'm a nerd. Right? I can tell the difference, all right? A Mustang sounds different than a Corvette. The Corvette's clearly better, you know? If you don't agree with me, you know, you need to repent. So, so I hear this sound. I instantly know that it's a Corvette, and of course, my head snaps, you know? And, and I, I just, I didn't even know it took over me. She just something just came up i was like a school kid i was like the i was like a little schoolgirl fawning over the quarterback you know i ran up there without my brain i'm like that's a corvette and that's chris vallatin's corvette and he upgraded since the last time i was there and that's a cool car and so i go running up there and for the second time in my life the security stopped me right where i was you yeah. the first time i was there you know i was over there taking a selfie in front of Chris's car like yeah come on they were like uh excuse me sir uh, can we help you you know you're not supposed to be here I, I'm I'm not one of those critics I'm one of the like I like this stuff like I'm not gonna post a bad thing on and he was like that's nice let's move along you know same thing now he was like uh what are you what are you what are you doing what are you doing I was like I'm coming to say hi to Chris that's a, like listen I Chris is cool Car is cooler. Like, I I'm like, I don't care who it was. It like, I, I didn't need to know that it was Chris. I did, it was a CA Corvette, okay? It was, and it, I could hear it, and it just, I don't know, something twisted on the inside of me. I became a school kid again. My brain was reserved for another moment in time. This was not it. And security says, uh, sir, Mr. Valentin's leaving for the night. No, he didn't, grab his, he didn't grab his gun, but he was thinking about it because he didn't know what he was dealing with, you know? I'm waving at Chris. <laughs> you got an upgrade. I can imagine he gets home. His wife's name is Kathy. Oh, God, Kathy. I'm so tired of these people. Can you imagine being famous? Whew, he didn't want to be famous. He just happened to become famous. But listen, Chris, in case you're watching, and I know you probably are because I'm famous, it was about the car, bro. It was about the car. <laughs> can you just imagine, you know, the... I happen to also be a Corvette, or rather a convertible guy. I just prefer convertibles. Had a conversation with my father the other day. Turns out he's a convertible guy. (laughs) Who knew? I guess I got it from him. I don't know. I just know that they're the best. And imagine if I went out tomorrow and I pulled the trigger on a new C8 convertible. First of all, let me preface anything else I say with, uh, if anybody wants to donate one, I'd be happy to, to give you my Venmo. So just, let's just, well, we'll just, you know, I just want to make sure that we're clear about what this is. I would actually receive one. No, actually, I'd rather the money go to a building fund. But let's talk, you know, let's talk about that. <laughs> imagine, imagine I go out and buy a new C8 convertible tomorrow. Uh, the market has pushed the value up to uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $120,000. You know, which is more than my first house. And, uh... <laughs> Not a lot less than the house I got right now. You know, it's, uh, it's a lot of money, would you agree? Yeah. Imagine I bought that car. Do you think even for a second I'm going to take it back on one of these gravel roads and just go to town? <laughs> Dirk, you are now disqualified. <laughs> I mean, you think I'm going to take it up to the circle track north of town running run it on the dirt? Wow, ah, that's awesome. <laughs> Not in a new C8. It wouldn't see me cry like a little baby. Oh God, what's wrong? That guy doesn't deserve it. Lord, smite him dead and give it to me. You know, man. Would I? You think I would drop the convertible top and and run it out in a rainstorm? No. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. God, you ruined my car. I just made that up. That was amazing. It's really good. I still got it. i would forgotten that I still have. But I got it. You know. You know. It's probably right the opposite when you guess. Like, probably gonna keep it in the garage. Put a coat of polish on it. It's like I mean, like I'm gonna do my best, like not to ever even get it dirty. You know. What is it that makes a car or something like that, really anything, largely anything, what is, it, what is it that makes it valuable to us? Have you ever thought about that? Like, What is it? I mean, at the end of the day, it's a box of bolts, isn't it? It's a box of bolts. And because it has the Chevy label on the front of it, it we know it's also not going to last very long. <laughs> it's not a Toyota Supra, though they ruined that by forging a relationship with BMW, I don't know why anybody would do that. Now you know I'm a car nerd, told you. you know, what is it that makes it valuable to us though? I would submit to you the first thing is this. What makes it valuable is what somebody is willing to pay for it. See, here's the thing <laughs> like, you, you may not like Corvettes, you'd be wrong and I may not like you, so probably you should reserve that comment, you know. No, I'm teasing. You, you may not like it. You, you may not think they're worth, you know, $120,000, that insane amount of money, you know? You know what, though? It, it really doesn't matter what your opinion is. Smile at me. Your opinion matters not at all. Why? You're not the one buying it. See, it's, it's worth what somebody would pay for it. <laughs> I've got a couple of other things here. The second one is this: it, it, it means something to the purchaser. Think about that. Like we pay a lot of money for things just because of, maybe who owned it. Arnold Schwarzenegger owns a Corvette. Now it's not 120. It's, you know, 300 or 400. It's going out to the make-' auction. They're making big money on that. you know? Right? It's 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 whose it is. It's 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 who created it, right? That that, that makes it valuable to us. Like, why is a Ferrari like two hundred and fifty plus thousand dollars? Right? Because it's a Ferrari. It's it's who made it, even though the Corvettes often outperform them. Now you know everything. You know, excuse me. Why why does a Gucci sweatshirt? And you can throw that image on the board. You know, I I, I looked this up. Uh, first of all, does anybody think that's a nice-looking shirt, Elijah Benson? Keep your mouth shut. Okay, like, so if you're like me, I'm going, that's the ugliest sweatshirt I've ever seen. By the way, it's just a sweatshirt. That's a sweatshirt, people. $500 for that Gucci sweatshirt, and it's butt brown with some other ugly colors on the front of it. It's horrible. $500. I looked it up, the exact same things down at Walmart for 11 bucks. <laughs> Listen, I'll go get my grandma to sew Gucci on it and we're set, right? But what, what, what makes that $500 when the, it's counterpart of the basically same quality is 11 bucks? It's whose name's on it, right? It's, it's who made it. You know, I've seen some Gucci stuff up close. It's no better quality than anything else I've ever seen, you know? It's whose name's on it. It's who made it. It's who created it. And that's the third thing. (laughs) It means something to the purchaser. Let's say it again. What people are willing to pay for it. It means something to the purchaser. And the third thing is, what makes it so valuable is, it's who made it. Can I just submit to you that you've been handmade by God? (laughs) Probably saw that coming, didn't you? (laughs) You've been handmade by God and his name is imprinted on your soul. You were made in his image. What makes something so valuable whose name's written on it? Here's the best part, and you don't even have to like it, is your opinion doesn't matter. The only opinions whose matter are the one who created it, who set a value on it, and the one who's purchasing it who said, yep, I see that value, and I'm willing to sacrifice to get it. You're valuable because Father God created you in his image, in his name. Well, enough said. Let's go home. But then Jesus reiterated that value a couple of thousand years ago when he was willing to lay down his life to purchase yours. See, Jesus Christ, the last I checked, is priceless. Would anybody want to disagree? I'll I'll have Dirk take you to the woodshed. (laughs) Jesus is priceless. And listen, I'd just be the first one to admit to you that I wasn't worth what he paid. I mean, what do you think? I wasn't worth... I wasn't worth what he paid, but how many of you know my opinion doesn't matter? My opinion has no bearing or no value in this conversation. Why? Because my, my dad made me. And, and his son reiterated my value when he, rele- when he died, when he, when, he, when he invested his priceless life in exchange for mine. So it doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> because he's already set my value. Amen. We're starting to scrape the surface of this core value that we maintain here that that quite honestly we need to grow so much in. And that's the core value of honor. Where where does where does honor come from? What 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 is this thing? Like Honor is ascribing value to something. Say, I'm, I'm esteeming something. I'm, a, I'm ascribing value to it. Uh, in, in this case, I, I would suggest to you that, that our creator was the one who ascribed value to us, and we're just recognizing that value. And it causes us to move into a place of, of honor. See, because here's the thing. When I start to understand that God made everyone, is that right? And that Jesus, it says, actually bled for everyone. He was resurrected for everyone. He purchased everyone. He was a propitiation for every single person on the planet, whether they would accept it or not. He died for them. That means that everybody I go toe-to-toe with, eye-to-eye with, that person is priceless to God. And I have to begin to acknowledge that, listen to this, whether I like them or not. Can you imagine, can you just imagine for just a second, I mean, let's just suppose for a minute that you you got an invitation to go sit down with the creators of the new Corvette. I've seen a couple of videos of people who have had opportunities to interview these guys. And you're talking years of research, blood, sweat, and tears, millions of dollars in you know, research and development. Like it's unbelievable just how much research and development just goes into a tire that can handle the horsepower that those things throw down. Like things that we just, they're mind-boggling. We don't even think, we don't even know or understand Like all of the stuff that goes into the creation of an automobile like this. And imagine just for a second that somebody was invited to come sit down at the table with the creators of it, and they were like, this thing's a piece of crap. No, I, I can't believe that, that you have these kinds of wheel options on this car. You used what tires? i would never used that brand in my whole daggum life. That's ridiculous. I've never had good luck with that, with that tire brand, and this interior is total trash. What do, you, what do you mean? it's a naturally aspirated motor? Everybody's going to a turbo or a supercharger. This is ridiculous. Like I've never seen a bigger hunk of junk in my entire life. Now, how long do you think that meeting's going to go? <laughs> See, you can't, you can't come into my house and start berating and 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 bad-mouthing my creation you can't come in here telling me that that my corvette is 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 a hunk of junk that it's garbage that all the blood sweat and tears and all of my creative juices and all the the money and all the stuff that i've thrown into it it's like i don't care about your opinion We have to get to a place where we recognize the value of every human being, whether you like them or not. Justin Bieber wrapped an Audi. I don't remember what the R8 or something like that. It's the $150,000 Audi. Dude wrapped it in leopard print. Leopard print. Okay. Here's the deal. I think that's the worst thing anybody could ever do to any. You could take a pin and wrap it, and it would make the car worse. Like, that's the worst thing anybody could ever do. Guess whose opinion doesn't matter. We've got to get to the place where we begin to value the people that God said was priceless, whether I like them or not, whether they're showing up or not, whether they're behaving or not, whether they're doing exactly what I think they're supposed to be doing or not, whether they're grinding at my personality or not, whether they're irritating me and knowing exactly how to push my buttons or not. I have to get to a place, you have to get to a place, where we recognize that when we look into the eyes of the person next to us, whether they're doing, and showing up, and being and believing what we think they ought to be or not, that Jesus said they're priceless. And how dare I come into a room with God and begin to berate his priceless property? How could I ever come into a place and say, yeah, you didn't do a very good job? See, some of us, we have people in our lives that we look at and we're like, you got ripped off with that one. You paid what? You paid what for that person? (laughs) I wouldn't give a nickel for that guy. Your opinion doesn't matter. Because Jesus thought that every person was worth it. Jesus set the value. Actually, Jesus just reiterated the value that was already set by the Father. Just reiterated it. He just said, oh, in case you didn't know. Let me, just, let me just demonstrate this with the greatest act of love of all kind. How dare we tear down and speak ill of what God called priceless. This is the culture of honor. This is the concept of honor. And I'm here to submit to you that it's kingdom. Like this is God's heart on display Many years ago, I'm going to pick on Elijah, who's somewhere, because he's not in the front row. I get to just use him as an illustration whenever I want. You know. And it was when our, a particularly argumentative moment. Misty says, I birthed myself. <laughs> and he was having one of those moments. You know, my, my son growing up, and really he's the same now. He's just more adult with what he does, but... My son, growing up, you know, he would be like, well, why, why are we making that decision? Well, we're making that decision because of X, Y, and Z. And then he would begin to negotiate, right? He'd be like, well, I, I, I'm still not understanding. X, Y, and Z isn't, like, that's not a great, that's not a great idea, so let's, let's keep talking about this. And that boy would try to bludgeon us to death until we would finally cave in, which, by the way, we only did a few times. Sometimes he'd bring up a good idea, and we were like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I guess maybe you're right, son, but it, yeah. One of these particularly argumentative moments, I just I stopped and laughed on the inside, and I said, Elijah, I said, God is going to use that tenacity on the inside of you one day to do something so incredibly powerful in your life. Now, how many of you know there's a lot of things I could have said in that moment? There are a lot of things I could have called out, like, you know, stubbornness, (laughs) right? Some of you in here maybe meet that description. But what did I do instead? I chose to partner with the Spirit of God to begin to see my son in the way that God sees him and to see him redemptively before the Lord. And to see that this thing which was manifesting stubbornly in this moment was actually a gift that God had given him, which would move mountains in the future when it seemed like all hell was coming against him. We have to begin to see the people that are around us in the way that God has designed them and in the way that He sees them. Oh, it's easy for us to see the dirt. It's a lot more difficult for us to see the gold, but that's the culture that we're creating here at Harvest. You want to see dirt? It doesn't take very long. You want to go look at my Corvette? I can't pull it out. I get, I get to the driveway, and it's already dirty. It's black. It's ridiculous. You want to find dirt? You're going to find dirt even on something as beautiful as that thing. How many of you know there's a lot of beauty there, too, though? You begin to focus on that somebody in your life is stubborn, then probably what you're going to get is the manifestation of that thing continuing to haunt you. Why? Because you're partnering with faith to pull out that, which you see with your own eyes in the natural and in the flesh. But God is exhorting us to go beyond what we see with our eyes, to see on someone what he sees, and to begin to call that out of them instead. That's a higher level of interaction. But that's the interaction that he's called us to. Is this making sense? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 says this, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. I want to read it again because I think that we have forgotten this verse. And I think we need the reminder. It says, let no unwholesome, this is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. The word unwholesome largely means anything out of your mouth that would tear somebody down. So don't let anything come out of your mouth. And see, here's where we get tripped up. Because we want to defend what comes out of our mouth and we want to say something like, but it's true. There's a sense in which, I'll continue to pick on him, there's a sense in which Elijah was being stubborn, but that's not actually the truth of what was happening. He was being tenacious. His gift was just misaligned a little bit. Do you see the difference? Don't let anything come out of your mouth except for that which actually builds up. Don't allow the words that come out of your mouth to tear down something that God said was priceless, even if you don't like them, even if they're not performing like you think that they ought to. You don't have to like the leopard print on Bieber's car. And some people don't like the leopard print on you. But just because you don't like them doesn't mean that what comes out of your mouth should change. Don't let anything that comes out of your mouth don't misalign your words with the enemy. Align your words with the heart of God, the redemptive heart of God over every individual who he's already shed his blood with and before that created in the first place. The one who he has declared is priceless. The one who he has declared has a purpose, has a destiny, has a calling. Do you know that every single person that stands across from you like, has the potential of Christ on the inside of them and the of God on their lives, we have to be the mature ones who don't allow anything to come out, any unwholesome word, any word that would come out that would partner with the enemy to tear them down to keep them from their destiny. We have to be the people instead who look for the gold and partner with God to call them into their destiny. The culture of honor isn't a like non confrontative culture. It's not like oh, we just let everything slide, and you know, it, it, like we just you know we just want to honor that person. No, that's not what it is at all. It's recognizing God on people, recognizing God on priceless people, recognizing calling on priceless people, recognizing gifting on priceless people, and refusing to partner with the enemy to tear them down because God has a plan and a purpose. He has a future and a hope, not just for you, not for some supposed elect, but for every individual on the planet. Every single one who he shed his blood for, that's all of them, past, present, and future. They all have a future and a hope in him. We've all been predestined to be conformed into his likeness, every single one of us. For we were created in his likeness to start with this is the this is the culture that we have to like this isn't just this, like and this is the thing, this is why our core values are the core values it's not just the, the like distinctly unique core values of a small church in rural missouri these are the values of the kingdom straight from the heart of the king and we've got to get them deep on the inside of us lest we be used by the enemy to be a destructive force against that which god is building both in people and in cities and the nations you ever said anything bad about Johnson County Missouri do you think that when we say stuff like i don't even know what they say anymore i haven't heard it for a while we used to have military who came through and just hated being here this is the this is the devil's armpit you know nobody would ever choose to be there except for My family, I guess we're weird. I don't know. You realize when we're talking like that, even over a city that we're partnering with the enemy to bring destruction to that which God is actually calling, declaring, and wanting to build? We have to begin to see and find God's redemptive heart over people, over cities, over our nation. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. That's such the word that is edification. That's building an edifice. It's building a a protective house that someone would be uh, built up and protected in. That they would be sheltered from the storms of life. So you're actually imparting something to them in that moment that creates a structure that allows them to endure everything that life is throwing at them. Which really is largely the point of the next. So that it will give grace to those who hear. What is grace? Grace is something that we get to partner with God to release over someone's life that allows them supernaturally to be something that they could not have become on their own. If we continue to declare over somebody that they're stubborn, they'll just continue to ride the stubborn train. But when we partner with God to see the redemptive part of the gift and we call them out as tenacious for their heavenly Father we're releasing grace for them to actually find the right track and to like, like they're they're to try like how do I want to say to step into the giftedness that they have on their life in a way that's adjusted with the plumb line of God and his expectation the design for which they were created when we speak thus it releases grace it empowers people to succeed anybody want the people around you to succeed You to imagine, imagine, a couple of different coaches. Anybody ever play sports growing up? We got like four cool kids in the whole place. Who's that? That's a joke. Calm down. Spoken from the guy that just nerded out over something like Corvettes, right? If you've ever played sports, and I should, I'm just guessing that probably there are more hands internally. Like, I, well, I raised them inside, Pastor. Just, just didn't want to raise them on the outside. You don't want to be trapped by something I'm saying, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> just imagine for a second, imagine two different coaches. Imagine you have one coach that tears you down, berates you, who doesn't believe that you've got the goods. And continually tells you that you're, you know, that you're garbage, you're never going to make it. And, 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 and then... The opposite of that, you have a coach who comes alongside and who's like, you know, man, you guys, like, you've got some fire in you. Like, you're gonna, you're gonna do. Like, you, you can do far more, far greater than you can ever imagine. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna pull together as a team and everybody's playing their part and we're gonna win this thing because you've got something in you. It's called greatness. And one of them releases condemnation, and, and condemnation causes us to retreat from life. <laughs> One of them is releasing grace. And, and grace empowers us to embrace life and not just to embrace it, but to succeed in it. It's the supernatural gusto to be able to get what we're pursuing. And our words are powerful to be able to release that over the lives of the people that God has entrusted to our spheres of influence. How dare we partner with the first coach, the enemy. And tear anyone down, whether we like them or not. This is honor. This is what it looks like. Imagine if we as a church began to walk in this. Imagine how the culture of honor can quench gossip. Did you hear what Bud did? What Bud? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I don't care what Bud did. I only care what he's becoming. I don't need to hear all that stuff about Bud. All I care about is what God says he's becoming. That's what I'm going to partner with. Chris Felton told us a story when we were out in Reading about a little-known guy named Danny Silk. (laughs) Danny, when he... First came onto the scene. I, didn't, didn't he say he was a drug dealer and all kinds of stuff? Drug addict, and, which I think he was, I think maybe he's a little beyond the addict. You know? But let's just say his pre Christian life was a little bit colorful. Danny comes up, he had a relationship with Chris, They had a conversation. He says, hey, in essence, I want to get saved. So he gets saved and he comes to the church. Shortly after that, a main big prophet guy comes to the church. He calls out Danny and prophesies over him, says, you're going to be somebody. God has a calling on your life. You're gifted in this particular way, that sort of thing. Chris said, you know, it's fascinating. He said, everybody's sitting in the church. He said, "The, the only Danny that they knew was the one who was prophesied that he had a future and a hope in God. He said, I think I was the only one in the whole room that knew the pre-Christ Danny who was drugging, you know, dealing drugs and doing all the stuff. And he said, I, I just wonder if the, if the whole church had known what I knew, would they have received him and championed him into his God-given purpose in the same way? See, so we, we have to see what God's doing. Anybody can tell you the bad. We have to see what God's doing. We have to partner with him to create world changers in our sphere, not to tear them down. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, verses 3 and 4, it actually says this. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, which largely just means pride, so don't be prideful. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look to your own personal interests, but to the interests of others. Isn't this what we've been talking about? Isn't it, it, that, doesn't that just describe honor? He's saying, like, I know that you're valuable, but everybody else around you, guess what? Jesus paid a price for them too. It turns out it wasn't any more or less. It was exactly the same value he gave to you. Consider the people that are around you as significant because God considers them as significant. Imagine just for a second, uh, imagine somebody in your mind who you esteem very, very highly, who you just like, man, like I really respect. I really respect that man, that woman. And, and imagine just for a second that you, you've invited them into your house. You've invited them to come, you know, maybe for coffee, tea, whatever. Well, this is America, we don't do tea. We win wars around here. Yeah, we win, we win wars now. It's different. Coffee, Kathy. Coffee. That's, maybe that'll fix everything. That's, now you know, that's a prophetic word. Yeah, coffee. <laughs> well, you people are easy to derail. Can you believe this? Golly. Bud's starting to sweat looking at the time, knowing the Chiefs are going to play here in a little bit. and just Man, you guys are unrelenting. Imagine you had this person of high esteem. I hope by now, see, I've given you a little bit of time. You didn't know that was on purpose. No, I'm joking. I was just messing around. <laughs> Hopefully, you've got that individual in your head. How are you going to host them? I mean, are you going to come to the home? And they're like, you know, like they, they knock on the door. You're like, hey, door is open. You're sitting on the couch watching TV when they come in. You're like, hey, the fridge is open. But like, honestly, I just don't have it in me today. I've had a long week, you know. So whatever you want, just grab it. I'm just, you know, I'm not going to. I mean, in essence, I'm not going to serve you. They come sit down at your couch next to you, and, and, and then you're, you're talking over them because you've got some things that you want to share with them, right? You know, That's probably not, if you're a decent human being, how we would treat somebody that we esteem highly. Am I, am I way off? Probably, you know, probably, if you're like most people that I know. By the way, most people I know don't keep a clean house. Now you know. So your house doesn't matter if it's dirty. Yeah. Okay, now you, now you know. So most people I know don't keep a clean house. We're one of those. You're welcome. I'm freeing you up this morning. You know, uh, but before my guest of honor comes, I'm going to try to make it look as if I'm actually a decent, clean human. <laughs> I'm probably going to go through, make sure that stuff's clipped up, and I'm yelling at the kids, get your drunk out of the living room, go, oh, somebody hit the vacuum. Who is on dishes duty? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, we're, we're, I'm, I'm trying to prepare the place because I've got a guest of honor coming, right? I, I, I want to be, be a good host. I, I'm probably going to put together some, some hors d'oeuvres. I may even like, call up my best friend and say something like, "You never know. You never believe who I got coming over. Me. Hey, you want to Like, cancel your plans? I got so and so coming. I got so and so coming. By the way, I need some help. My house is wrecked. Eh? Help me out. You know." I'm probably going to create a space for them. I'm going to, you know, maybe I'm even ahead of time, I'm going to ask their secretary or something what their, what their favorite <clears throat> tea is. I'm going to have that prepared for them, right? And, and then when, when they're there on my couch, I'm probably going to be a little bit ridiculous because I'm going to be like, tell me everything. Like, I, I don't need to hear me talk. <laughs> we all hear that plenty. No, no, I'm I'm here. I'm I'm, I'm here. I'm here to entertain this individual. I'm I'm here to hear what they have to say. Wouldn't that be more in alignment with honor? Now, what if we began to treat our enemies that way? Consider others as more important than yourself talking about honor, honor, it's a kingdom value, and it's not intended to only arrive on on the ones who love us. It's funny, the scripture, it even speaks to that. It's like, if you do these things for those people who love you, you're no better than a a believer, right? Like, they they have a reciprocative relationship with people who love them. No, 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 I'm calling you to a higher value. I'm calling you to love your enemies. I'm I'm calling you into a culture of honor that recognizes the value that I placed on every human being. I'm recognizing you to walk at a new level. I'm walking. I'm, I'm inviting you into this place where you're intentional as I'm intentional. Where you partner with all of heaven to see what I see on these people. You recognize their value and you begin to create a space for them that's commensurate with that value. What if we began to change the way that we operated with each other? What if we began to honor our children? Is it possible we would get a different environment, different results in our homes? My way or the highway doesn't usually, isn't usually consistent with honor, by the way. Just a thought. What would it look like if we began to honor our husband, honor our wives? How would that change? How would it change the dynamics of your relationship? How would it change the way that the neighbors see you? Oh, you didn't think they were watching or listening to that argument? No, they were. We want to invite you to harvest. We don't want to go to that place. We heard you guys screaming at each other last night. I <laughs> don't know what that pastor's saying and teaching. How would it change the dynamics of our neighborhood? How would, it, how would it change our interactions at Lowe's when the attendant who's making minimum wage just doesn't quite seem to get what you're saying to them? How would it change our interaction when we're on the road and that, I was going to say lady, sorry, it's ingrained. <laughs> that lady's honking, honking, honk, honk and cutting you off and carrying on. Right, let's just be honest, it's always a woman. Just had to get that out there. No, it's, you know, these days it's some old hillbilly with a big old beard. I'm like, what is this hillbilly doing? Like, it's crazy. I don't even know what's going on. How would honor, how would a culture of honor change our lives? How would it change this church? How would it change our community and our nation? What would it look like if we operated out of honor in the zone of politics? Oh, see, now I just made some people Angry. What would it look like if we walked in honor with the homosexual community? Is it, I, I'm just, did I read this right? It says, uh, do nothing out of selfishness or pride, but with humility regard one another as more important than myself. Hmm. Huh. What if I applied that to the homosexual community? Would we have a different relationship with that community than what we've had the last 50 years? think we would. These are God's values. These are the the, the values of his kingdom, and he expects us to walk in them. It's not just some good idea. He's charging us, and by the way, anytime he gives us a command, he also releases grace for us to fulfill that command. So this isn't like a carrot that he dangles out in front of us so it's like well that's a great idea that you would love your enemies that's a great idea that you would esteem others as better than yourself that you would actually submit your tongue to the holy spirit what novel ideas are these no no he's actually released grace and empowerment for you to do that which he's commanded you by the way he does command you to submit your tongue to holy spirit he does command you to consider others as better than yourself he does command us not to be selfish. He does command us to serve one another in love. So it's pretty—it's pretty hard for us to feel like we're here when God said the best leaders are actually here. You want to be the greatest? Then serve, serve like crazy. What do we do when we serve? We consider others as better than ourselves. You know, I feel like so often we flip the script. The American church has come, become so often about me and my little family and about the message the pastor gives and I hope Corey plays those right songs this morning and, you know, and, and all of that's really about serving me. But everything that I read and hear talks about me laying my life down to serve others. Talks about me considering other people more important than maybe the, what I need, like I'm coming on a Sunday, and I know I need, a, I need an encounter from God. I, I, I do. Maybe I've had a bad week or whatever, right? But if I'm considering others as better than myself, I'm actually still positioning myself to be someone else's encounter. Does that make any sense? Okay, I just want to make sure your faces for a little. And when I position myself to be somebody else's encounter, you know, a lot of times God just addresses the issues of my heart as well. Being selfish, prideful, self-centered, all about me it's not usually a recipe for success in the life of the kingdom. It's not really a recipe for joy. By the way, joy is the kingdom. It's not really a recipe for peace. It's not really a recipe for power. It's not a recipe for transformation. It's not a recipe for reaching the lost. It's not a recipe for considering others as better than myself. It's not a recipe for seeing God's honor walked out in our community. Is this making sense? I want to leave you with this one scripture, just so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is our command. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. (laughs) Whether you like them or not. So I throw that in there. Outdo one another in showing honor. Hmm. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do I have any competitive people in here? He just said, he just said, rally your competitive people and make it a sport. Outdo one another in showing honor. <laughs> you think you, you think you got it, Charles? Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> We're supposed to go after this, keep this on the forefront of our minds and our interactions with humans, especially those who are irritating. This is the culture of honor. Here's what we've learned. Jesus, actually before that, Father God demonstrated our value when he created us in his name, created us in his image. We attribute value to things whose, whose names have esteem. You know, Gucci sweaters are 500 bucks because it has Gucci written on it. You're priceless because you have God, Adonai, written on you. <laughs> Jesus reiterated that 2,000 years ago when He, being priceless Himself, gave His life as a ransom for you. Purchasing you with His own blood and empowering you with His resurrection entrusting you with His Holy Spirit. Ooh. The most precious thing of heaven has been entrusted to you. <laughs> wow! I wouldn't do it. But does that not show you the value you have? Imagine giving one of your children—I'm not supposing for a second the Holy Spirit is like a child—but imagine entrusting one of your children to somebody. You better know they're not going to die, right? Like these people, you know. You want them to love your children, like He entrusted His Holy Spirit with us. That just raises the bar of our value exponentially. Jesus demonstrated that your neighbor, whether you like them or not, is priceless. (laughs) You don't have to like my Corvette, but don't come into my house and tear it down. You don't have to like me, but you do have to find my redemptive value. And release grace over me. Your neighbor is priceless, whether you like them or not. Yeah, how dare we speak evil? It's the next thing. How dare we speak evil of what God called priceless, of his priceless possession. Can you imagine walking into some, some rich guy's foyer? You've got a million-dollar vase sitting right there in the middle behind a glass deal, and you're like, what the heck is that? It's a terrible, what it? oh, horrible. What's the story behind this? It's terrible. Like, well, I bought it at an auction for a million dollars, and, you know, my mom's in there. Thank you very much. I, mean, <laughs> I Don't, like, geez, No, we can't partner with the enemy to tear somebody down. No. <laughs> Can you imagine how much it must hurt his heart when we would do that very thing but with a human being? Mm. Be intentional to honor and serve others because, not because you have no value but because you are priceless. See, that's the other thing of it and I forgot to touch on it. Since we have one service, I gotta spoon feed it to you now. Like, jam it in there. See, we don't we're not laying our lives down for other people because we're worthless. Some people get their head all twisted up. It's like, well, I have no other value, so I'll lay myself down as a doormat and let everybody run over me and just hopefully somebody else will get something out of my life. That's ridiculous. We we lay our lives down because we have something to offer. We lay our lives down because God strategically planted me in this place with a unique sphere of influence that only I can influence. I have something to offer the people who he's placed in my life. I'm laying my life down because I'm priceless. And isn't this what Jesus modeled? I mean, Jesus came, he laid his life down, not because he's worthless. I don't know anybody who would argue that. Not because he was worthless, but because he was priceless. Right? He gave this as a model. Everybody that you know, everybody that you look across the political aisle with, you know, everybody that's in a church wrongly down the street they should, no, I'm just, <laughs> it's, it's a joke, bud. It's a joke. Your neighbor whose dog keeps coming over and pooping on your lawn despite your 18th conversation. That boy who says something bad to your daughter. <laughs> your child that mouths off. They don't even know what's going on but they're lipping off. Your wife who slipped into that moment knowing exactly which button to push and did it anyway. (laughs) or husband. They're priceless. We have to begin to see that and then treat them correspondingly. Amen? Father, we ask for a a paradigm shift over this. Shift us into your culture of honor. Help us to recognize that the people that are around us, by the way, we're, we're like, Jesus, we don't want any opportunities when we leave the church today. <laughs> just, I'm just, We don't need opportunities to love our enemies when we leave the church today, right? But we do ask that you would correct the way that we see your people. You would correct Correct the way that we see the priceless vase or the the expensive car, if you will, whatever analogy makes sense. Correct the way that we see it, God. Help us to partner with your Holy Spirit to prophetically call out that which is placed in, even if it's been dormant. God, we're asking that we would be your hands and feet, your mouthpiece, that we could partner with your redemption over every human life in our sphere and beyond that we would not let anything come out of our mouth except that which is in alignment with you, your heart, your will, and your ways, that we would not be numbered among those who are releasing ugly, nasty, tearing-down type words over the people that are around us, or our kids, or anyone. Change us, Jesus, by your grace and mercy. Make us like Jesus. Make us like Jesus. Help us to see what you see, hear what you hear. Help us to create and live in a culture of honor in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.